Tardes. Buenos dias. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Buenos, whatever. Welcome, buenos. It is uh, another riveting episode of What Was I Saying? Yes, welcome back. Exciting stuff today, Andy Hogan. I was going to say, in fact, this is a riveting episode. Yeah, it's a very riveting episode. We sat down with Dr. Bradley Delano. Mm, Indeed. Genesee Chiropractic. Yeah, and we're going to hop over to that in just a hot minute. Uh, but you know, we figured maybe you'd want some uh, P and A banter. Catch up with P and A. Uh, P, what's going on, dude? How was your week? Uh, it was pretty good, actually. I worked out, laid out in this beautiful sunshine that we've been blessed with. Yes, the snow might yes. finally be gone. I'm not holding my breath because Rochester's so bipolar. But we'll, it'll snow at least uh, yeah. six more times. Right. Fingers crossed before next winter. But uh, did you catch the debate? Uh, the New York, so yes, something we want to focus on right now is, uh, just New York in general, hotspot elections. Yeah. Like it's, it's really weird. The spotlight is here right now. You know what I was thinking going through Facebook the other day is seeing like sponsored posts yeah. from Bernie Sanders or sponsored posts from Hillary right. Clinton. And it's like, we do that too. Yeah. Like we, true. we set when, uh, if, if you've never gone through the sponsoring process through Facebook, what you do is you, you know, you, you pick a, a post Yep. You select to sponsor it, you pay a certain amount of money for its duration, and you pick your, your age range right. that you want to focus in. It's actually pretty cool. It is. It is really cool. And it's I, I think it's great for you know startups and businesses and, yeah. and whatnot. But it's just interesting to, to see, see that the candidates are doing the same thing we do. But they it worked. When we were using it, we were seeing a lot of reaction and a lot of you feedback reached, from you it. Reached you thousands reached thousands of people. Yeah. But you were even saying the commercials too. A month ago, we were not seeing the type of or the amount of commercials that we were were seeing today. Yeah, and you see, um, it, I think ultimately the the race for presidential candidacy has gotten a little more respectful because I do remember being younger and seeing like some really mean smear campaigns. Oh, you mean commercial like in far as far as advertising? So like yeah, like Bernie Sanders attacking yes, Hillary Clinton within the ads. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you about see that less too. than that. I agree. Um, which is interesting, but um, I don't really watch a whole lot of TV, so mainly I've been seeing these things on the internet. Yeah, right. Um, I actually, I feel like I've seen more Bernie than I've seen yes. Hillary. Well, I think, it, I think Bernie might be hurting a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Did you see his turnout at uh, his speech that he did in, in Brooklyn? Yeah. Or no, yeah. not in Brooklyn, I'm sorry, I think it was Washington Square. 48,000 people. Yeah, that, that's nuts. That's a huge amount of people. Well, it's also New York City. Yes, it's that's an open true, park. that's true, that's true. But um, when he was here... Marcus and I went to just, you know, to, to see it, and we were in line, and the line, we thought it, it ended at a certain point, we're like, oh, not too long, and we rounded a corner, and we realized that yep. it snaked back to the rest of this entire They had to we turn like, people nah. away from that one. Yeah. Thousands of people didn't, with tickets, didn't get into the Trump rally. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and Trump rally, let's kind of, <laughs> let's shift gears yeah, here. Yeah, dude, dark place, dark times in um, Rochester. So Donald Trump was in Rochester, he spoke um, over the airport. I'm guessing he got off his plane oh, and I'm went sure. right and to the podium. Down a podium. He, was, yeah. he was fine with that. Um, according to Donald Trump, Rochester loves him. Oh, he's got best friends in, in Rochester. Thousands of best friends. And here he's in, in Syracuse. Uh, he was in Syracuse this past weekend. And uh, guess what? Everybody loves. Oh, Syracuse <laughs> oh, loves best me. friends there too. You're he, kidding? Yeah, it's just it's weird. And um, if you look back at our episode, uh, episode two, I believe. Okay. We had midnight. Yes. Uh, Rochester. Uh, uh, yes. Musician. Two, right. Uh, and you can find that um, on iTunes and SoundCloud. A uh, little plug there. But uh, Midnight, he's he's very political at the same time, and, and he was, in fact, at the Trump rally as a protester. Right. But, um, you know, following him on social media, he seemed to... Uh, he. From from my perspective, it wasn't that he was push, 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 protest, protest, protest. Yeah. I think he kind of sat back and he watched it all unfold. I mean, obviously, he was he was an, he's an activist in, in that sure, regard. But, but he was observing more than anything? He was very observant, I think. Um, 
he described his experience through social media. Uh, he was called um, the N word. Wow. A few times. Um, he he was referred to as um, a fag. Part of my really? language. He's not yeah. even gay. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, <laughs> yeah. You know, I. But it's wow. Um, Hateful. There is a weird, weird, weird amount of hate. Yeah, right. That's being generated at some of these Trump rallies. Yeah, and we, that's that's old news, but. For it to be personal, it's just like... Yeah, to have it here. I just don't understand it. Why Why do people feel the need to, to express their political beliefs through hate and racism and subjugation? Derogatory. You know? Yeah, right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, it's awful. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, they, they all came through. Did, yeah. did Ted Cruz make it to Rochester? He uh, did. I think did. so, but I thought there was something... He was doing a... It wasn't an open event. I don't think he was doing a speech. I think it was some type of, like, smaller... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he has it wasn't, too It much wasn't love. very advertised. No, I mean... <laughs> In New York, at least. I, I, we're no political no. experts, but yeah. uh, I think I can say confidently that Ted Cruz is a bit of a psychopath. I would agree. <laughs> Speaking of people yeah, that aren't political uh, experts, apparently Ben Carson has Whoa! no recollection of running for president of the United States. Mr. Uh, now and Later. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you read the article? I did not read the article. Dude, absolutely I saw, insane. I saw the, uh, the headline, though. Yeah, he apparently really is standing by and believes that, or at least this is what he's saying, that he never ran for president and that any of the pictures, like he said, people are showing me pictures, but it's the work of an evil mastermind or an evil genius or something. Like, just doesn't what? make sense to me. What? Yeah. I don't know if he's See, when I read that, when I saw the article, it wasn't, uh, I believe it was published through the Washington Post. Yeah, I think that's why I read it too. And uh, I, I was a little taken back by it. I didn't think anything of it but apparently like dude fucking forgot his he whole platform really is standing by the fact that he never ran how which, about that i mean maybe he has a memory disorder it's for the best that he did not could you imagine if he had turned office? out president <laughs> yeah uh president carson <laughs> president carson you, you elected to go to war i did i, I don't i have Who? no recollection of that somebody's framing me <laughs> well so my my big issue right now with uh with the political state of New York is that I'm a registered independent. Okay. What about yourself? Uh, you know, actually, I registered Democrat, and then I got a letter in the mail the other day that said I registered as no party. So I'm a little confused. Maybe I fucked something up. I have Was to it go online? I did do it online. So maybe I messed something up. Yeah, I did mine in person at the post office. Yeah, maybe that's what I have to do to correct it. But you're an independent? I Well, I'm registered independent, and the issue is, and I, I could have been more preemptive but i i didn't think you know the span of this political uh right. realm was going to turn out the way it has but as a registered independent you can't vote in the primaries right uh, yeah you can't vote in the primaries and even if you say you were an independent and you saw the way that things were going and you wanted to change your political party you i apparently from what i've been told you have to register for a specific party six months in advance in order to be eligible to vote in the primary for one of those parties. So, like, say you've been watching the way this is unfolding, you, somebody like yourself is an independent exactly. and wants to be able to vote. If you're within six months, doesn't matter if you change and you register Democrat, you're not eligible to vote. It's just weird. Yeah, it's screwy. It's a weird system. Yeah, I And then, of course, the, uh, like, on the Republican side of it, they had the, the voter issues in Colorado. Right. You know, it's, it's done each state... You know, there's different voting regulations and for these primaries and the caucuses, and there's I just, just don't really understand. Yeah, it. there should be like a blanket rule nationwide for the way it works. But um, how's uh, school going? I hear you got tour groups walking around the joint, right? Yes. So <laughs> it's been like you know, all the high schoolers are deciding where they want to go to school. Sure, right now. fun. And stuff. so at Geneseo, we've been having these you know big groups of people walking around with their their parents and whatnot, asking you know different questions, getting led by a tour guide talking about the campus. 
But they feel the need to infringe on my day. <laughs> and that's fine. I don't mind helping. But it gets annoying. So, you know, I'll be on my way to class, and oftentimes I'm running late to class. Sure. Not in the sense of I'm over, but I, you have, I leave my house maybe 10 or 5 minutes early, depending on where I have to yeah. go. And those 10 minutes are the, it's, it's the, exact the exact amount of time I take to get to class. Do you lawn board? Oh, dude, I sure Do have. you? You probably save a lot of time. Uh, longboarding cuts down on time like yeah, you wouldn't believe. I'm sure. It really does. All right, so you're buzzing past the group. I would say a place <laughs> that takes, if it takes me 10 minutes to walk there, I can get there on a longboard in two. Really? No joke, dude. Wow. It cuts down That's so much time. That's perfect for a college time. campus. Yeah, it is. And especially Geneseo is super hilly. So yeah, like get the momentum. Well, obviously, if I'm walking like up campus, I'll yeah. just hold on to the board. But when I'm out of class, well, that's why everyone's right, trying to right talk home. to you. You're the cool dude on the long. Well, dude, Andy I'm on Hogan. the radio. You know, <laughs> yeah, come on. They're like, oh my god, that's Andy Hogan. Of Do you know WIS how podcast. many people come up to me and say, "Are you the host of Geneseo today?" And I say, you know, I'm a little embarrassed, but if you're if you're hearing weird noises, Mike Par- through the mic, Paris is very hot. It's hot, in this, <laughs> and he is. I'm just I'm warm all the time. I'm trying to cool myself off. I apologize if it's coming through the mics. What? Uh, but anyways, these tour groups. Yeah, you know, moms and dads, and and they're and they're, you know, offspring. Coming up to me, <laughs> they're and they're saying, spring. they're saying, hey, you know, how do I get to the College Union? And at first, you know, show, oh, you know, you whatever. Take a left, take a right. I would love to be able to tell people, like, yeah, you know, you keep going left. You keep you. You're gonna think that you passed it because you're in farmland, but you just <laughs> keep going. It'll be on your it's right. Out there, I promise. That would be great. But I, I actually have a few different things working yeah, at, you're at school. Starting another podcast, perhaps. Okay. This is all uh, preliminary. Okay. At the moment. But um, there, I've been interested now because I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make my mark on Genesee. I think that if you're if you're anywhere long enough, you should be able to leave something behind. Okay, you know. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, what I would like to do is because well, let's let's take it back. That bear got marked in Genesee. Yes, we right? talked about the bronze bear. And now everybody knows. Oh, that was built in 1889, whatever it was, and right. uh, that was named after Emmeline Wadworth, whatever. And everyone knows that now because yeah, a bear got destroyed. Yeah, I would like for people to know Geneseo's history without having some sort of incident happen. Okay, because you've said before that there's a lot of rich history in Genesee. There is. It's just it's a really cool town and. It, because like there's you see so many towns nowadays that are just decayed and in a dissolving yeah these much. these rural towns yeah if it didn't have the school Genesee would absolutely be just like one of those other um, towns yeah sure but the school has helped keep that that area rich and vibrant and obviously there's I mean there's mining industry out there there's farmland out there right so what what I'm thinking about doing is starting a podcast it would be instead of a week weekly thing it would be I record maybe all ten episodes. Okay. Uh, you know, over the course of the summer or something like that. And each episode focuses on a different time in Geneseo history. Chronologically, you think? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say just for consistency yeah, right. purposes. But so what it might look like is one episode focuses on Geneseo during Prohibition. Okay. What was that like? What was it like for students? What was it like for community members? Right. What was Geneseo like in the 1960s, you know, during amidst this complete revolution? Right. You know, of, of free thought and idea. So hippies. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet you there are tons of hippies. I'm sure. Buzzo. That would be so in town. cool. He, you know, he Buzzo music is famous throughout Rochester, and it's just this little tiny music store. Yeah. Buzzo is this, you know, older gentleman who owns it. But there's pictures in some of the buildings in, uh, you know, like the Newton Newton Hall okay. in Geneseo, one of the you know classroom areas buildings. Excuse me. There's a picture of Buzzo carrying a bugle 
in a robe down Main Street, Geneseo from like 1970-something or other. That's so cool. And so like I want, yeah, I want to uncover uh, more of Geneseo's history because I think I find it interesting and I think sure could, I think other students could find yeah, it interesting. Yeah, right. But so I'm working on that right now, another podcast, and then I'm also working on another show for wow. Geneseo. You're going to be uh, busy. Well, so the only reason I'm taking on this responsibility is because my next year at Geneseo, it, it could be a semester very easily. Yeah, looking lighter. Well, what I'm thinking, I have four more classes I need to take. Right. So if I spread that out over a year, it'll give me time to work on these projects. And these projects really would look great on a resume if I continue to go into media sure, or because this is what you want to do. Yes. Right. At least for right now. <laughs> that, that's changed before. It might change again. Sure. Um, but so the other show I'm working on, and a lot of other schools do this, and, but I really think it'd be, it'd be cool at Geneseo, is called Ask the President. And so what it would be is maybe once a semester or once a month, the president of the college, Dr. Denise A. Bettles, okay. uh, initials dab, she loves dancing, um, <laughs> she, um, she would come out uh, to the studio with me. Uh, students could line up outside the door and come on and ask her direct questions. Wow. Kids could tweet questions in, could, kids could phone call questions in. All the questions would be scanned and monitored before and they'd be sure. screened before they go on, but I think that'd be really cool. Because do you think there'd be a lot of interest in hearing from her? Or do you think there's a lot of issues that would want to be people would want to bring up to I do. her? Because, yeah? dude, you, as a college student, unless you see her walking around, you don't really have an opportunity to talk to the president. Well, you were even saying that you have to go through her PR, her PR representative. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Could be very interesting. We'll yeah. see. We'll see where it goes. That's awesome, um, dude. I have to tell you, uh, Bitmojis. Oh, I know. Oh my god. I know it. You got an issue. I have an issue. With you got Bitmo- a problem. I do. I have a little bit of a problem. It's a new obsession. A Bitmoji is there's this app that you can go on and you can build yourself pretty much. Like you, you make the eyes and you make your hair and everything. And it, in some cases, mine looks pretty much like me. Well, so honestly, every I've seen Bitmojis for a while now. Yeah. See, I'm new to it. Well, no, like I've seen them. Oh, okay. I've okay. never, I've never downloaded it or anything like that. But I always thought that that you just take a picture of yourself and the software like allocates different character oh. features because some of them, hey, including idea, yours, yeah. is so on point. Yeah, it looks just like you, dude. I love it. And the and things it, that you can if, say. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, so God. okay, do you get to type those things out? So no, you basically you set it up and it becomes part of your keyboard. So you just click a button within like a texting keyboard and all of these different little pictures with like pre-made sayings and your bitmoji, your little character, like doing different poses or hand, you know, hand movements or something. And they go with the phrase. So like, hola, <laughs> there's one. Yeah, there's one that like dresses me up like Dora the Explorer and it says, hola, amigo. Oh my goodness How gracious. better? To, or like somebody wakes up, you send them the good morning sunshine one. Like it's just the best. Or there's one with the chain around his neck. It says word. Word. <laughs> Those are funny, Just man. My also, you like, uh, you know, if I send you something, uh, I, I can't remember what it said to you, but I just got a winky face. Oh, back. yeah, there's ones with just it's a funny. face. It's perfect. Well, uh, we probably shouldn't waste much more time here. Yeah, I know. We know why the people are listening. We have, um, we have our buddy Brad Delano, Dr. Brad Delano. Dr. Brad Delano. In, in studio with us today. One of the coolest guys. Uh, in addition to being a Rochester native, uh, Dr. Brad Delano is a licensed chiropractor, uh, and he's established his own practice, Genesee Chiropractic here in the Flower City. Yes, and he's over, uh, I guess, technically in Arondequoit. Mm-hmm. He's at the top of Ridge Road on the city side, on the Arondequoit mm-hmm. side. Um, and yeah, he's he's only had the, the business for about a year, but he's doing wonderfully. He's doing great. And I, as you'll hear in the podcast, I've been to multiple chiropractors in the Rochester area, and nobody uh, has given me the time or has you know given me the attention 
that Dr. Brad has given me. So I have a lot of respect for Brad and what he does and uh, who he is as a guy. He's a good dude. He's smart. Great guy. Very smart. All right. Let's cut over to that now. Enjoy. Boy, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Springtime Rochester. It's gorgeous outside. We got our buddy Brad Delano with us today. Brad is a Dr. Uh, Brad Delano. Dr. Brad Delano. Dr. Brad Delano. DC. Brad is a uh, doctor of chiropractic. Hello, Brad. And a yes, damn good Hello. one. Welcome. Are you enjoying the weather? Oh, we've been outside straight for two days. Yeah, I did. Um, the past three days have just been like insane, some insane amount of hiking. Uh, have you? In Geneseo? Well, so Geneseo, what I love about Geneseo is that uh, five minutes from anywhere you are, you oh, can yeah. get to a waterfall, yeah. you can get to some nice hiking trails. Uh, I mean, if you follow me on Snapchat, you're you're pretty sick of it all. But um, longboarding all over the place, dude, I I love it. And, and yeah, it's so hilly for yeah. longboarding; it's perfect. But um, yeah, so I've been doing I've been trying to find different trails all over the place, and so one of which is um, uh, the Indian Nature Preserve out there. Yeah, you talked about that before. Where is that? It's um, it's like if you go if you like head towards the Geneseo campus, but instead of turning right onto Main Street, you keep going around that curve, and you'll pass Fallbrook first, and mm-hmm. Fallbrook is this beautiful gorge. It's not connected to Letchworth in any, in any way, but it's got two waterfalls, a beautiful babbling brook. You can get to the top of that waterfall, and it's a little scary. Yes, you've been awesome. there? I've been there. Nice, yeah, yeah Fallbrook. I've never been. I'll Paris, have to go. Oh, wait, Fallbrook. Yes, I have. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I have been there. Uh, Fallbrook's But great. I didn't go to the top <laughs> of the waterfall. Uh, kind of. We like we went over there went a little the bit, but it, we, definitely we definitely went to the bottom. To the bottom yeah. And then we hiked the, the trail. Yeah, right. But yeah, the Indian Nature Preserve is similar. It's got the waterfall. You hike down the uh, the brook, and then you're in the Genesee River. Right. The outlet's awesome. right there. And it, that means the mighty Genesee. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so our guest today, Brad Delano, has, uh, you, you've had your chiropractic business for what, about a year? Just over a year. Just over Last a year? Last February I started. You guys are in Arondequoit or Webster? Technically Arondequoit. It's right Arondequoit. on the border of Arondequoit, Webster right. City. At the top of Empire Boulevard, mm-hmm. right? Right before you go down into the bay from the city side, from 590, right, right at that light at Winton. And so this is Genesee Chiropractic we're talking yes, about. Yes, that is me. I am Genesee Chiropractic. Yeah. It's and not, Dr. not a big practice, right, but right. it's just me. Yeah. But like, uh, <clears throat> you know, how many patients do you have at the moment? I see... Under 200 people in Rochester. Right really? Now. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Which is that still, is. it's a big number. I mean, for my first, yeah, well, just huge, over yeah. a year in practice. I'm for really an individual practitioner. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I'm I see, one of those. I don't <laughs> Paris is one of them. Yeah. Paris had um, curly pelvis disorder. What was it? <laughs> well, not so much. Just, my pelvis rotated. And a few other. Yeah, you had some pelvic issues and some low back issues yeah. and some knee issues and some. It was, it was a lot a, of things. A yeah, lot of things longer to, than I like to admit. <laughs> yes. Well, so what was um? You went to to school at the uh, infamous. New, uh, what is it? New Ch- York Chiropractic College. Yeah, and in the, I oh, mean yeah. that's. Is it infamous? I don't know. I don't know that it's infamous. Well, at least in New York State, that's like the. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the, the one place it's, to go. Place to go, right? In New York State, yes, and it's very science based, and everybody that's looking to go get a very scientific chiropractic degree. That's the place to go. I mean, right. we do the most anatomy. We do so much anatomy, so much study of the basic sciences. A lot of cadaver Everybody, work? Yeah, a lot of cadaver work. We did three full semesters of cadaver work. Wow. Um, we got a new cadaver every semester. It was I amazing. Ma- I would we, imagine you have to write thank you letters we, to the family. So, <laughs> actually, yes, you write thank you letters to the family. Seriously. Wow. Um, sometimes you know the person's name. Sometimes you're just saying thank you to the yeah, family. Right. And we actually have For this a, dead body. Yeah. I we, mean, really? Like, that's, literally. Yeah. Um, the people that are on your table, have donated their body for the purpose, this purpose. And some of them can even, you can dictate 
and decide, I want to send my body to New York Chiropractic College. And some of them oh, have done cool. that, really? which is awesome. Did you see that, because um, concussion research is mm. blowing up right now, mm-hmm. I saw that Abby Wambach just donated her brain to be uh, to go to concussion research after she, uh, really? she so passed awesome. away. Yeah. Wow, I did That's not know really that. That's really cool. That's well, so interesting. It's big in the spotlight. It and is. she, she we'll might see. need a little bit of that PR help well, right yeah, now. That's, that's true, true, too. She yeah, she's under the gun. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, that, that movie that came out with Will Smith, I never mm-hmm. actually saw it. Concussion. Yeah, it's is it called Concussion? Yeah, yeah. Concussion, yeah. I did not see it. But that was about football, right? Well, it, it's about football for sure, but it's about um, the, the issue of concussions in sports as a whole. Because it really is, Brad, perhaps you mm-hmm. can speak more to it than I can, but well, yeah, it really is an issue. It's a huge issue, yeah. We're not, and we're not talking about just like the big injuries we're not talking about like big head-on right we're talking like micro trauma to the brain like heading the ball a hundred times during, during a practice yeah you know, right at starting from the age of eight and going to sure. however long you play um those add up right and um we're thinking that the effects are bigger than well we initially thought. i i recently saw something that they're they're trying to come out with this technology that some type of sensor is put into the helmet yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, that i believe that's already implemented yeah i, I think they're trying Which to use it as soon cool. as possible yeah. that immediately will report any you know how strong the trauma was to the brain and mm-hmm. if it's past a certain level the person there's no argument the person's off the field which i think is yeah, awesome yeah it, it really sense. is and uh, obviously there's there's more um, you know cognitive tests that are done sure. on and off field but uh, it, it really is an interesting issue. And you look at these guys like, um, you know, people in the UFC mm-hmm. just taking oh, massive yeah. blows to the head. Hard blows Regular years. For yeah. years, yeah. I mean, that, that affects you. Your brain is has to. very fragile. And whereas there's no, like, pain receptors in your brain, it does, it hurt, it's hurting your brain. Right. Right. This is not good level. for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my biopsychology class, which I imagine I'll reference a few times since this is a more science-y uh, episode, uh, we were just discussing Parkinson's and Parkinsonian like symptoms, and of course we we discussed Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. famous sure. boxer, mm-hmm. who uh, he doesn't have Parkinson's, but it, it very uh, he's got that Parkinson's gait about him. Uh, you know the tremors associated with it. It's just really interesting. Yeah, there's neurologic changes happening in the brain. Do you deal with a lot of uh, neurologically based science in your practice? Um, I mean, some would really argue that. The adjustment is so neurologically based, which it is. Yeah. Uh, I would never say it is not. Um, we're definitely affecting brain. We're affecting central nervous system when we are performing an adjustment. Right. That crack that everybody seeks, right? Um, which is, and I've seen some really awesome neurologic-based res- responses from patients. Not just, oh, that feels better. Right. Or, oh, I'm moving better. Um, so, yeah, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Yeah, and so take let, let's wind it back. Why chiropractic? Why chiropractic? Chiropractic. chiropractic. Yes. If we're talking about, of there's no such thing as chiropracty, right? yeah, like chiropractism or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just either, oh. if we're talking about the field itself, chiropractic. Yeah. Um, and so I have a doctor of chiropractic degree right. and okay. I am a doctor of chiropractic. Um, so that's how we talk about it, which I just cleared up to one of my patients this morning. Uh. How about that? Yeah. Uh, but so, oh yeah. So wh- why? What was it that brought you in? Why? So, I've been going to a chiropractor on and off since I was probably second or third grade. My dad's, really? my dad's been going for a long time, um, and he really believes that if he had gone to chiropract- a chiropractor earlier in life, he would have less problems now, which I could back that. Um, so I was just going and getting checked up on by the chiropractor and getting adjusted, and it was great. And what I really ended up realizing, and this is what I say to everyone, is that no matter what, However I went in, if I was feeling terrible, if I had a really bad headache that day, or if I was just feeling fine, if I was having a normal day, but I had an appointment scheduled, um, 
I came out feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one. Your mood is better. You're moving better. Things are better. And it's, there's not a great, uh, nobody's, I don't know if there's any like studies to say, like, look at the mood of the person before and after an adjustment. And and what's I think difficult with your field is it's, you can't pinpoint a certain area in the spine or in, you know, uh, the spinal cord that's saying, this is the reason you're feeling better. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, in general, it's just, um, the adjustment and movement and movement that doesn't hurt. These are all things that really can affect mood and they're affecting spinal cord and they're affecting brain and they're affecting the way that you feel. Absolutely. Because movement is important. And when we realize that movement hurts when you're not moving properly and movement hurts, that's when we run into problems. Yeah. Your body's telling you something. Right. And I know in my experience, I've come in and there's been times that I haven't been able to lift my knee past a certain point when I'm laying on Brad's table. And by the time I leave, I can bring it like all the way to my chest. It's like a complete, yeah, it's so it makes a huge difference. Being able to bend down and pick something up without... Long story short, movement is important. Yeah, movement's very important. And it feels good. Good movement, movement in general, should feel good. Or at least not hurt. (laughs) Well, so I was looking online, you know, trying to brush up on my uh, chiropractic information. And uh, it it seems like a lot of these uh, injuries that maybe your patients would come in with aren't because they were doing some strenuous activity. It was like, I bent over to pick up a pencil, Mm -hmm. and now my back is freaking out. Mm -hmm. Like... Paris will be sitting here sometimes and literally just, ah! <laughs> yeah, back spasms, dude. They're the worst. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what is, what is that all about, I suppose? So we can get into that and we can talk about, um, if we're talking about spasm specifically, spasm is an inappropriate contraction of muscle. Right. Usually spasm is a result of what we call guarding. Um, it's the body guarding against either a negative motion or some kind of negative input whether it was a posture you were sitting in and then you move just a tiny little bit to pick up a pencil and you get this big back spasm. Your body is guarding from that motion ever happening again by tightening up the muscles that do that motion so it's just not going to happen anymore. That's what we mean by motion shouldn't hurt. Motion shouldn't be blocked by muscles. Motion should be free. Right. Um, You know what's interesting to think about too is like that spasm and that guarding aspect that's not controlled specifically by the muscle. That's something that your brain has learned to do in order to protect yeah, yourself. This well, is a protect. This is protection, right? And I've also heard that the the body can experience. And correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I heard this from a, a different doctor though. That um, your body has spasms, or at least your back, like pretty frequently. But your brain doesn't necessarily recognize past a certain or under a certain threshold of pain. Is that true? Gate theory. What's it called? Gate theory. Uh, th- at least that's unless I'm you know incorrect. Gate theory applies here. Yes. Um, I don't really know about the whole spasm happening really regularly. Okay. Um, but your your brain will kind of ignore some smaller things that okay. are happening. And you, you might not even know they're happening. Right. right? Yeah, that's you, what I mean. Yeah, that's well, perception is your brain. And the only reason I bring up gate theory is another thing I learned in biopsychology. Um, gate theory is like your cognitive awareness of pain. And so, like, for instance, what my professor, Dr. Markowski, the example he used was when he was living up in Maine, he had this big, beautiful barn he was working on. And I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but he took um, a sawzall and he went on the outside of the barn and he puts his ladder up on the on the wall and he starts going up and he's expecting that since this is old wood, there's a lot of chatter um, and he was expecting maybe some nail bits to be coming out as he's sawing. And so he starts to saw and he's feeling the nails hitting his skin and it hurts him, but he, he, know, he was anticipating that pain. 
Well, it turns out that there was a hornet's nest going up the entire side inside of the wall of the barn that he was now sawing through. And so when he became cognitively aware that these are hornets stinging him and not, you know, hot metal chips, he dropped the sawzall, (laughs) he fell off the ladder, and he ran away. Holy shit. (laughs) It's kind of like, that's, it's like, um, it's just, that's gate theory, I think, in its essence, is like, some things you, some pain you can throw away and dismiss, and some pain you become cognitive of it, and you say your brain says, "Oh no 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 no, right. we gotta do something about this." Yeah, and that's the that's the mental side of pain. Right now we're talking about the difference between pain that you think you can just brush off and pain that is life changing. You yeah, know, like right. pain that like keeps you on the couch forever. Sure. Um, well, so what what kind of work on the? I, I'm very curious because I did a. Um, as I've brought up on the show in two pairs before, I did a dissection on a sheep's brain. And I thought that was, honestly, I thought that one, as a visual learner, that helped me so much more than anything else, uh, just learning about the anatomy of the brain or whatever. But what kind of work are you guys doing on cadavers? Were you making the slices? Were you doing the cuts yourselves? We were, so one thing that happens a lot in some advanced degrees is you don't do the dissection yourself. You look at a pre-dissected specimen. Okay. And maybe there's 30 people all looking at one cadaver and learning off of it. We literally had five people per cadaver wow. per class. Wow. And I was lucky enough to be in a group that most of the people in my group didn't really want to dissect. So I got to dissect most, most. of an entire cadaver. Wow. And which that, is awesome. that's not happening at every school, right? Oh, no, I mean, this definitely. school focuses on total body. I mean, yes. And right. that's it's a very important thing. And part, think about it. If I'm touching a shoulder all day. Sure. If I'm working on shoulder, I happen to work on... 10 shoulders in one day. I need to know what that shoulder, what I'm touching, what that shoulder looks like, what that shoulder feels like, what that shoulder should feel like versus shouldn't feel like. Right. So we do a lot of palpation in class. Palpation is just touching people, literally. Um, the first um, technique class that you get at New York Chiropractic College is called Introduction to Palpation. Literally, okay. you just touch the whole human body from toe to tip, you know, and wow. you touch everything. So you know And what you talk like. about it. You say, this is what this muscle feels like. And over here, we have someone who has this muscle really inflamed. Here's yeah, what an right. inflamed muscle feels like, um, which, is, which was so valuable. And at the same time, we were taking anatomy. Right. So, so now we're looking at the thing that we're touching, both in a living specimen and in a cadaver, right. which is really, really valuable. And now I, like, if I can't remember something, I'll think back to the moment that I cut the piriformis on my cadaver and remember that i did that and go oh yeah that's where it attaches or i I just think that that's such a valuable thing for people who are interacting with bodies on a day-to-day basis yeah Yeah, of course and i would imagine you guys also kind of touched on the philosophy that's associated with chiropractic oh yeah totally and that might be an area where people uh, you know uh, some skepticism may arise Mm -hmm. is through the philosophy of, of chiropractic so and we can we can cover this in depth but what would you say to a patient who comes into your office and says, you know, I, I read this thing online that, you know, maybe chiropractic is, is understudied and it's this. How would you approach that? I would say that in the recent years, chiropractic has been exposed to so much skepticism and research right. that we've kind of proven, okay, yes, chiropractic is a valid, effective, cost-effective, makes patients happy right. and gets the job done. Way to, way to treat a patient. Right. Um, and we're seeing that the, we're really researching and seeing that the benefit is definitely there. It's so right. huge. Right. And uh, chiropractic is only seeing between like 
five and seven or five and eight percent of the population at any given time. Really? Well, it's a young practice. We've talked about this. Oh, it yeah. started yeah. 1895. Yeah, that's the first a... chiropractic adjustment from D.D. Palmer. That's nothing. D.D. Palmer. Wow. And he basically, he was a magnetic healer. Um, yeah. What exactly does that mean? Magnetic healer. So magnetic healer, it, it's not just about magnets. Right. And, right. It, it definitely involves touching people. So he was, he was a healer who was touching people. Right. And ideally the story goes, he felt that a bone was out of place in the neck of Harvey Lillard, who was the first man who ever received the chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> a deaf individual. A correct? deaf individual. Yes. Uh, he lost the hearing in one of his ears. Um, and then after the adjustment, which he literally pushed the bone back where it belonged in the wow. upper back of Harvey Lillard, there was a crack. And magically, his hearing was restored in a short period of time. Wow. So that's the story. We have to take everything with a grain of salt. Of 1895. Yeah, sure. Also, he's trying to, he wasn't trying Telephone. to create a whole new practice, but. Has he there did. been a modern follow up to the, the oh, case yeah. of Harvey Lillard? We like, can, has anybody looked into so whether or not Yeah, that like actual research. Okay. What we can say is that. The neck, the upper neck specifically, contains nerves, especially spinal nerves, correlated with hearing, vision, things like that. Senses, okay. Um, and the brainstem. The brainstem is where these impulses of hearing and vision go into the brain, right. where they are exposed to the initial like central nervous system. Is cranial in, nerves. Cranial nerves. Yeah. Where the cranial nerves go into the nervous system, um, if you remember from your sheep's brain. I don't know if you yeah. talked about that stuff. I, um, I pinpointed uh, trigeminal, optic. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know that I saw auditory. So those enter into the brainstem. Right. right. And that's right. how they're and transmitted? So, so the brainstem lies extremely close, if not just underneath the upper cervical mus uh, musculature and bones. And if we're talking about perhaps restoring blood flow or taking pressure off of nerves right. in the upper cervical region, we can make some kind of correlation. Um, I don't want to say it didn't happen. Right, right. I want to say that there's definitely a way that that could happen, especially if he had a serious cervical subluxation. Right. If his, if he felt that there was a bone sticking out of his neck, yeah, and he had right. to have it pushed back in. <laughs> Maybe it was causing his death. Yeah, deafness, that's true. you know. Um, but um, well, I, now, there's definite benefit to that. Yeah, and working with the neck. Now, I've heard horror stories or people that do. Um, maybe not agree with chiropractic work mm -hmm. or think that there's problems with it. I've heard criticism that, you know, you get an, uh, an adjustment on your neck and all of a sudden you end up with some type of blood clot or there's other mm -hmm. further, you know, uh, problems so down the road as a result. How do you... This has, first of all, obviously been studied because there's sure. people out there that are like, no, chiropractic causes strokes. Right? right, right. So what we're realizing is the risks are so, so, so minuscule as well as the fact that people that have these strokes are just as likely to have the stroke after seeing a PT. Just as likely to have, have the stroke after seeing their general practitioner. Oh, okay. So, is it related to chiropractic or not? And these huge, huge studies, uh, I know that there's a giant Canadian study, I can't remember who did it. Um, might have been associated with the chiropractic sculpt there, but either way, um, for the most part, it's the same risk as going to see your general practitioner or okay. your PT yeah. or whatever other doctor you want to go see. Um, and the problem here is where, when the stroke is happening, it's happening, sure, it happens on the table, but right. also it can happen like a week later. Right. People right. are just making this correlation between, oh, you got adjusted, the stroke happened. This must oh, have it caused must it. have caused it. Sure. But if you look back, people were going to PTs and going to other doctors mm. for the same exact type of symptoms and then still having the stroke. Right. Um, so we can't make a really hard correlation between those two things well i so and to kind of wind back to the the idea of 
skepticism and with D.D. Palmer, mm-hmm. I think he, you know, I don't know this, this fella and I, I read his Wikipedia page, you know, <laughs> but uh, it seems like maybe a lot of that skepticism could have easily stemmed from his ideology. Yes. And so his ideology is definitely a, still a part of a lot of chiropractic. His ideology is, it's called one cause, one cure. Right. So there's right. one cause for all disease. We're talking about huh. literally everything. And the cause is a subluxation. Subluxation is, in D.D. Palmer's mind, a bone out of place. Right. The bone is not where it should be. It, there, it is then causing pressure on the nerves underlying that kind of pass very close to that bone. Right. And then adjusting that bone back into place will solve all disease. Right. Those were air quotes. Yeah, okay. and I mean, at the time, especially 1895, it's it was really it's kind of difficult to to say these kind yeah, of yeah, it's these a big notions. Claim. It's obviously a big claim. And he was end up he, he ended up in jail because of it. Yes, and, practicing uh, medicine without a right? license, without a right? license. So he was not a medical doctor. Um, but we can't forget that there were also non medical doctors right. doing things like um, bone setting. We're talking about, like, uh, fixing dislocated joints. Sure. And also, like, people cracking backs, you know? But it was never called chiropractic. It was never with a purpose of putting the bones back in place. Right. Um, and once we coined that idea, now the AMA, which didn't exist back then, but the medical world can say, that's not medicine. We don't like it. Yeah. Go and to jail. That, and that's something you and I have talked about before, mm-hmm. this idea that Science seems to be so stuck in its ways that when a new notion is presented, like when you go, if you think back to the time of D.D. Palmer, there were, no one knew what the hell they were doing. You know, Mm -hmm. science, science was and still very much is just experimental and all different areas. And so there was a, a lot of different practitioners doing these nuanced ideas that no one really knew the, the benefits yeah, of. Think about bloodletting. Think about the, yeah. all the leech work that was even more than just like yeah, training wounds. Right. right. And that's stuff that we don't do anymore. Right. Well, in medicine. Not but it was a mainstream part of medicine. <laughs> yeah. But sure. for whatever reason, scientists are so quick to jump on this idea of pseudoscience and point fingers saying, no, 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 that's pseudoscience, that's wrong, and completely reject this idea. And I think that's kind of what happened with chiropractic. Mm-hmm. And it's... Not so much today. I was going to say. But in the very recent past, yeah. like there are still chiropractors and medical doctors who were practicing when the AMA, the American Medical Association, was trying to make chiropractic illegal, or at least trying to completely devalue chiropractic. Yeah. We're well, talking as soon as, so in the 60s, uh, the American Medical Association started the Committee on Quackery. The Committee on Quackery was <laughs> made solely to make sure that chiropractic never got coverage by insurance companies, never got coverage by Medicaid, Medicare, and that there were no um, certifying organizations that would say, yes, this person is a chiropractor. There was no licensure. Instead, they say, no, this person's a quack. Yeah, and so they were literally trying to make it so that chiropractic would fail. Wow. In the well, 60s. That's see, recently. Just, that it's blows bizarre. my mind because anybody that's ever received an adjustment or yeah. has ever had any type of chiropractic work done, there's no argument that it Definitely. makes you feel better. And that, that, and that was happening. Yeah. That was happening until literally 1987. Wow. That is so recently. <laughs> it is right? bizarre, And man. so in 1987, it was decided yeah, by the uh, big trial that said, yes, the American Medical Association is doing something wrong. They yeah. are wrong <laughs> They're here. wrong. They need yeah. to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... Um, well, it's interesting I, that that was that recently. Yeah. Like my my professors 
most of them, some of them, were practicing then. How crazy is that? Yeah. And, and so also think about all the medical doctors out there that this is in their minds. When they were going to school, there was this committee on quackery. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I have a question. I feel like, and I was reading a little bit about, um, long, and I've experienced, long periods of standing or sitting can contribute to lower back problems, which is, you know, 80% of people, it said, suffer from some type of lower back problem. Do you think that because of the type of jobs that people are doing now, there's an increase in the, and the way we're eating, the kind of lifestyle that's taken over American culture? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's kind of perpetuating the, the, uh, the movement of chiropractic work? And do Definitely. You think, yeah. Um, just the fact that everyone, not everyone, but so many people are experiencing low back pain or right. neck pain at any given time. I think. Well, yeah. To throw out a number that you had sent over to us as a matter of fact is that low back pain is the single leading cause of disability worldwide oh, there yeah, you go i mean and that it's the second most common reason for people visiting i believe a doctor's that. office. i believe there that. you go yeah it's debilitating it's widespread it's very related to the deconditioning of our bodies right whether it's sitting all day at a computer going, like think about the american ideal of going to work and sitting at a desk yeah and, right in a you cubicle. know punching numbers and then going in a cubicle and then going home you know, yeah and that you is also think for eight the, hours like the right. rise of uh carpal tunnel syndrome yeah you know with with the onset of keyboards and everything like that very much related yeah well just and i was reading the ergonomics of somebody's desk which is something that you don't even think about i know when i was in new york mm-hmm. and i was sitting at a desk for eight hours a day I didn't really realize it, but my computer screen was lower than where I was sitting. So all day, I was looking down at the computer screen, hunched over. If you're shoulder- working on a laptop for eight hours a day, yeah. that's putting your hands where your eyes have to be looking. Right. Either your hands are going to be really high, or your eyes are going to be really low, and you're going to be messing with your neck or right. your shoulders. Um, and then you're probably sitting at the same time. Exactly. So now there's this whole standing desk revolution that people are standing up. Um, they have the desks that go from standing to seated, right. which sitting is awesome. Yoga balls, Very cool. I've heard helps. Yoga balls are wonderful. Yeah. I actually went into a dental dental practice um, and gave, did an ergonomic consult on them because they're leaning over patients all day. They have to look in mouths. Yeah. How do you do that without hurting your neck, without hurting your shoulders yeah. and your low back? And your low back, um, right. A lot of radio hosts are opting to stand at their microphone now. Awesome. Uh, I mean, if they're sitting, you're sitting down for a, if you're on, if, if you have a major radio show, you're sitting down for three to four hours a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday and you can't through really get up very often. Nope. No. Nope. If you're yeah, if you're live, you don't you don't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what were you guys? What were you doing at the dental uh, office? Yeah, I mean, one of my patients who is a dental hygienist came to me and said, oh, "Well, first of all, working with her and saying, here's how you can fix your wrist pain and your neck pain and your mid back pain, right? Because you are leaning forward and having this very like flexed forward posture all day, looking in mouths. Right? She's working." long shifts and she doesn't get a ton of breaks and she does a lot of bending over and looking in mouth. She has all these problems. And then we talked about how you can change this. And I said, you know what, there's, you work with four other, um, people, dental hygienists, and then two other, there's a, um, a dental assistant and the dentist. There's a bunch of people in your office that all are experiencing this. I'll come into your office and like get everybody there. I'll come at the end of the workday or at lunch or something. And that's what we did. And I got to sit in the chairs and have somebody be a mock patient for me to show, here's how you minimize the stress on your back. Here's how you should be right. sitting in your chair. Um, really? We made some really awesome changes, gave, like, did some just general stretching routines, and yeah. said, here's what you can do if it's, this stuff is bugging you. Well, stretching is huge. Oh, yeah. And I've learned that. Like, I mean, going back to what you said about mobility and movement and everything. But if I'm getting back pain, and you actually helped me realize that it's my IT band on the side of my left leg that's mm-hmm. causing my knee pain. My knee pain, after I'm, if I feel it coming on, I'll stretch and do the things that you showed me. And that pain goes away, and it even helps my back. So that's, yeah, invaluable to somebody. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And so now we're talking about muscles. 
Right, yeah. Right, which is now that we're stretching, we're talking about joints, sure. The joint muscle complex is the thing that you're stretching. Um, but muscles are obviously an important part of sure. joints right. and movement. They are the things that make you move. Um, well, so to kind of put the focus back on you uh, with what you're doing with Genesee Chiropractic and these consultations, there are, from what I understand, two types of chiropractors. Yes, if we want to make this if, if you want to categorize we can, yeah, we can. <laughs> there are straights and mixers. And yes. What I'm curious is, what does that mean, and uh-huh. where do you fall into that spectrum? So, D.D. So D. Palmer is the originator of, like, he's the OG straight OG. chiropractor. Original gangster. Straight chiropractor. Um, he took a bone that was out of place, he put it back into place. Right. And that is what he and his son, and for the most part, um, the school that they started in Davenport, Iowa, where chiropractic was invented, called Palmer, chiropractic college um they are very focused on at least the palmer family themselves are very focused on the adjustment okay and often adjusting specifically cervical vertebrae one and cervical vertebrae two the very top of the neck right and they a lot of people might argue that that whole subluxation in the neck causing all different diseases in the body there are still chiropractors that do that um not to say that that isn't right and not to say that that isn't a totally valid way of doing chiropractic. Right. They are doing strict chiropractic, straight chiropractic. Okay. Once you start including um, treating muscles in the office, the doctor themselves themselves are treating muscles or treating extremities or treating um, anything other, other than anything other than uh, like spinal and some other bony adjustments. Okay. Um, we are talking about mixers, and then we're getting into the whole world of applying electrical stim to a patient to affect muscles and joints, uh, applying, doing massage to muscles, stretching in the office. Um, these are things that mixers would do. Yeah. So, so you would call me a mix, mixer. mixer. Yeah, for right. Sure. Okay. For sure. Um, so an idea of what my visit is, is my normal uh, follow-up visit would be 20 to 30 minutes if we have a lot to work on or if I'm gabbing away, right? So we're talking about a good 10 to 15 minutes of focused deep tissue massage right to really allow you to move better my focus is on movement right um not so much this bone is out of place i'm going to put it back but my purpose is adjust the joint work on the muscles so that you move better right and sure that's a side effect of every chiropractic adjustment but that is my goal right and from what i understand it you you do a lot more than just uh you know uh joints and and uh, ligaments and stuff like that you try to focus on the individual's health as a whole Oh, yeah. And personalize it, oh, too, because yeah. I've been to multiple, and I'm not going to name any names, but I've been to multiple chiropractic offices in the Rochester area. You know who you are. And you know who you are. And uh, you walk in, and honestly, I've had people literally adjust three bones. I'm in there for 10 minutes at the max. I pay them, and I leave. And there's no further help. Nobody ever discussed an IT band in my life. There's mm-hmm. nobody want to address my knee pain, nothing. And one of the best things about Genesee Chiropractic and coming to see Brad was that you, yeah, you spent that time with me. And like you said, a half an hour is like a typical appointment when you go in there. Mm. And it's the best because you really leave feeling like not only better, but you understand why you're in pain in the first place and can keep that conscious while you're going through your day. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with just adjusting joints. You know, that is, and for some people, chiropractic wouldn't still be around if that didn't help so many people. Um, But a lot of people need a little more than that. Um, A lot of people have like a very muscular problem. Sure, muscles move joints. Um, and you can affect muscles by just touching the joints and adjusting the joints. But a lot of people need very specific muscle treatments. Right. And so I'm 
doing specific focused muscle work. And also we can talk about, um, just in general, getting the person in there and having like 20 to 30 minutes of doctor interaction time yeah. and talking to my patient. That's something that I really value. And I know my patients do too. Oh, absolutely. Um, like I am talking the entire time that I'm yeah. touching my patient. <laughs> yeah. Not just, and sure about other stuff, but mostly about what's going on with them explaining if we're talking about IT band, which is a, a musculotendinous thing in the side of your leg, basically. Um, if that's where your pain is coming from, I need to explain that to you. Right. You need to say, here are the focused things you can work on. Um, because chiropractic in some ways moves away from that. Some people have moved away from that. Um, and just as you might go to your medical doctor and you might have, have a, everything explained out, laid out on the table for you. Or I have had patients come to me and say, I asked my medical doctor why they were taking this blood test. And they said, you don't need to know that. That's messed oh, up. Really? Literally said that. Wow. And that's, that's messed up. And that's, that's not, scary. that's not quality patient care. Right. Patient centered care is a really important thing. Yeah. And that if your treatment isn't focused on the patient and you aren't focused on that patient for the entire time that you're with them, that is an issue. Right. We're dealing with even in like an ethical issue, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I'm also curious, what's your um, like typical age demographic? Is there, is there, do you see a variety of different I, age I see groups? Everyone. I mean, I've adjusted as young as seven weeks old, I think is my, in the last year, really? I adjusted seven week old. And that was like the youngest that I've adjusted. Well, wow. and that, I guess that was my, my <clears throat> overarching question is how do you treat a seven week old? Do you just old? use your thumbs? I'm using <laughs> tips of my fingers. Two I'm fingers, using, fingers, yeah. I'm using literally two fingers. Yeah, I'm using the, the tiniest bits of the tiniest amounts of pressure that I can use right. on any living thing, literally, <laughs> yeah. and still have an effect. Right. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to push on the baby's back and make it crack, which sure. they don't even have fully formed bones yet. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I mean, not... Their skull is soft. Yes. I'm not I'm not jumping on Paris's back on this little baby. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> um, what I'm doing is applying pressure in some very specific, very powerful neurologic-based um, joints and points on the baby. Um it's obviously very gentle. Usually sure. mom, like baby is laying on mom's chest while this is all happening or very mom is right, right next to me. Sure. You know? um, and you can make huge changes in baby's lives you is, know? Wow. and parents' lives, obviously. Early too. on, too. Yeah. Is there a specific field within chiropractic that deals with uh, the development of the spine? So like if, if there was a baby with a specific issue, mm. you We're would treat that individual. Pediatric chiropractic. Yes. 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 So oh, that, wow. is, that is a thing. The ICPA exists. It's pediatric chiropractic is what they do, um, as well as treating pregnant mothers or soon-to-be mothers. That's a whole other field the field inside chiropractic and most chiropractors don't specialize that specifically where they say you're over the age of 18 i'm not going to treat you yeah obviously yeah but um the benefits go as they're as widespread as from babies to over 100 years old yeah i mean sure. interesting stress on the spine is what we're talking about yeah and on the body in general if you're having stress on your body you might have had a change happen that can be helped by chiropractic Right. Well, think about passing through the womb or being yanked out of a C-section. You know, we're talking about everything. Big, yeah, we're talking the amount of pressure that is put onto a baby's neck and back during delivery is yeah, huge. And mom, and mom, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah one, one of the studies that that you had sent over was um, uh, about babies with colic mm -hmm. and being and, and treating that. Do, do you yeah. know exactly how yeah. that process? So works? we're not specifically treating colic. Obviously, we're not. Focusing on the baby's small and to be large clear, intestine. Colic, yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 when I think of colic, I just think of really crying babies. Yes. What exactly is colic, though? 
colic is some kind of, I think it covers a, cov a couple different gastrointestinal problems that babies encounter. These babies aren't used to like being out in the world, eating and pooping. Yeah. Those are two right. things that babies do, but if they, those things don't go right, that's, that's a lot going wrong. Yeah. Um, and these babies end up with pain. Sure. Crying baby. These babies end up with not being able to sleep. So then you have really tired, frustrated crying parents. Crying in pain babies. Yeah. Yes. And so then they have, you have these frustrated parents, this frustrated baby. And a lot of times relieving some of the stress on the low back or really the whole spine of the baby, not just the low back or the pelvis, um, can really help uh, encourage the baby to function properly in the gut. Wow. Interesting. So babies that haven't slept for a long time because of gut pain um, often pass out directly after a chiropractic adjustment. No way. Yes. Whoa. So That's huge. We're, and... <laughs> We're talking about like people, babies that haven't had bowel movements in a long time. Make sure you hand the baby directly to the mom because baby's about to have a bowel movement quickly. Wow. For, for the most part. And you don't want it on you. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you don't want it. that on your Run time. Run it out of the office. You know? yeah. So, yeah, that's, it's, a, it's more than just adults. It's more than just um, muscles and joints. We are affecting the whole central body. nervous system. Yeah. And We're talking about vagus nerve, one of the nerves that I'm sure you learned about in that sheep brain. Vagus nerve affects and controls a lot of peristalsis and happenings in the gut. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not treating the colic. I'm providing support to the immune system or to the, immune system, to the neurologic system that has a lasting effect on the entire body, including right. the gut. Wow. Well, and uh, another issue that we haven't really uh, discussed is the cost effectiveness of chirocare. Totally. As opposed to going to maybe a traditional MD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, a statistic that we saw is that Americans spend at least $50 billion on back pain every year. And that's, that's just a, a, you know, a, a minimal amount. With uh, medication and everything, com right? Comparative. Yeah. All treatments. All treatments, right. Um, it, 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 do you see that with your own patients? A lot that of my patients have gone and... A lot of my patients have gone and done everything from like the uh, University of Rochester pain management direction and then you're dealing with a ton of cortisone you're dealing with a lot of steroids you're dealing with a lot of immobilization braces right. things like this that are very expensive and often kind of just put a masking cover they're a band-aid yep. right. for the underlying problem right if the underlying problem is an improper movement or an improper uh maybe an imbalance in the spine or other other places as well um you're just covering up the problem. Yeah, you're not solving anything. If we can solve the problem, that's where people get relief. And right. obviously, I cost less than 10 cortisone shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? man. Sure, you can just throw anti-inflammatory and steroids at the problem. But if the problem isn't going to resolve itself, someone needs to go in and make a change. People have often come to me and said, no one's ever touched my back before. Yeah. And I'm saying, <laughs> no one's touched your back before? <laughs> You have back pain. Yeah, this right. is an issue. That's where the problem is. Yeah, even right. If, if you even even if you go to your PT and the PT gives you exercises and they're not looking at your back, they're not touching your back, or seeing how you're moving, this is all a problem. Well, and so this is that's something we kind of touched on earlier in in this episode is that idea that our medical science communities kind of just move to this platform of let's throw some drugs at it and that'll yeah. probably fix it. Um, and I feel like with I think ChiroCare is a really good example of it, but you're starting to see it in a, across a lot of different medical fields. The idea that pharmacology is dangerous in, to some extent, 
and uh, overprescribing is is very dangerous. And I think I, I've seen it with psychology, and it seems like chiropractic is really focused on it too. Is moving away from that and becoming a more traditionalized system. And it's not even things that are new. These like the idea of mindfulness in um, uh, in treating a patient with maybe depression or anxiety in psychology. That's been around since Buddhism was, you know, the the ans- yeah, the, uh, the origin of Buddhism, and uh, just to see it now with like dialectical, like to put it in perspective, cognitive behavioral therapy has been the number one treatment that we know of to treat anxiety, depression. You know, that's just your standard talk therapy and working through behavioral, you know, paradigms and whatever. But now dialectical behavioral therapy, which is just the medical term for mindfulness, which yeah. is the idea that, you know, you have to be self-reflective and you have to be patient with life and all that. That's working its way in. And they're finding that through dialectical behavioral therapy and acceptance commitment therapy, these are actually more effective ways than, than what we may have thought. Which would be traditionally throwing pills or medication pills, or something like that. Exactly. It. Standard. And it kind of goes back to that issue of uh, science is quick to throw out what it does not uh, understand with, or, or maybe exactly right. care to dive into. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just speaking to that that uh, cost effectiveness. Now, you in your practice do not accept insurance. Correct? Yes, I do not. Uh, for a, a variety of different reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's $60 to come in and see you, right? Yes, for the initial charge. Okay. Um, that includes a full exam, full treatment, full everything. Uh, you're there for 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how much we chat, how much right. I need to explain, how much we need to work on. And then after that, like we said, with the length of the follow-up visit, is about 40, it's $40, about oh, okay. 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, we're dealing with the numbers that most people's copays are close to. Right. Um, and my thing with insurance is that they're dictating what is best for the patient often. So uh, chiropractors have a limited number of things that they can be reimbursed for. So if we're talking about how this works, I take the copay from the patient. The patient then leaves. That's it. Right. I have to then interact with the insurance company and get the rest of the money that the insurance company thinks that I deserve for whatever I did. First of all, they're dictating how much I get paid. Okay. Um, and they dictate how much the patient has to pay. So if he, Paris comes in my office and his insurance uh, only has me get paid $15 for right. his treatment, right. and Andy comes in my office and he, his copay is $50, even if my ch- office charge is 40 I have to charge them these two numbers. No matter what. So No matter what. So Andy is worth $50 to me and you are worth 15 And I know that that's not how it would actually go. Sure, I mean, come on, look at having, <laughs> having that... Um, outside influence on how I'm going to look at my patients, not something that I'm in, into, really. Right. And it, into. Yeah. it probably gives you more freedom, too, because you don't have to worry about thinking yeah. in the back of your head, well, I'm mm-hmm. only going to spend this amount of time on this person because they're, I'm only going to make 15 bucks off doing yeah. this adjustment. I, I don't even want that to be a part exactly, of my right. thought. And the fact that insurance companies have a clause that say, well, that's just an act of God, <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> absurd to me. I mean, that's yeah. still something that insurance companies sure. can say and, to you, is, oh, that's an depends. act of God. Sure. And that depends on what you're, like monthly charges or yeah. who you work for yeah man right Weird. who you're married to you know that's a, this is a problem it yeah. is weird um, and so there's the, we're on the edge of healthcare changing too yeah. you know in the future in the near future so who knows how long that's going to last but um also just the idea that what i do is worth a certain amount of money to certain people yeah and also that they are worth a certain amount of money to me to you i want to take money out of the situation yeah, man. make it so that everybody can afford it 
And if you can't, I'll help you find a way to afford it, either right. with me or with another Delano, person. 2016. <laughs> Delano. I'm about it. <laughs> to, I'll do it. <laughs> to, to kind of shift back to just Genesee Chiropractor, and, and I'm really curious uh, about, like, your view on Rochester's health as a whole, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. Is there certain trends that your patients are coming in with that that maybe you could say this seems like a Rochester specific issue? Oh, I don't know. Something more. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like I, I would imagine, like shoveling in the winter time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a good. I you know what yeah. I'm saying? If you go, if you go to my not, Facebook page, yeah. you will see that the things that I'm posting about are like, make sure your kids' backpacks aren't too heavy. This is a yeah. serious concern, and yeah. when and that, ha- that happens day, in September, that, yeah, that right. happens in September. Um, and shoveling happens after the first snowfall when people go out. I don't want any heart attacks. I don't want any, I don't want a big research or surge of people coming in saying I shoveled too hard. Yeah, right. Um, maybe I'll post something soon about gardening. People are starting to do that. People are starting to do yeah, all the gardening so thing. True. I mean, these are, yes, that is a, a thing yeah. that, I, that I, mostly it's weather related, honestly. Yeah. Rochester related, I don't know, but. Yeah. Um, so just to speak to the future of Genesee Chiropractic, where you see it going. You yeah. right now have a masseuse that works in the same office as you, correct? So what I have is I am currently sharing a space with Empire Therapeutic Massage, which is a massage group, and they are therapeutic massage. Okay. So they are licensed massage therapists that have a focus that's not relaxation. Sometimes people go in for relaxation, right. sure. But usually it's, I have low back pain. Can you do some work on my low back to help it be relieved? Sure. And they say, sure, you know, and that is their treatment. And so actually we go hand in hand really nicely. Right. Um, they can do a very good treatment of muscle work. And then often we have the people come right into me. We oh, share really? a lot of clients and patients that... That's cool, man. Yeah. yeah and that, that's and really those cool. are often the best adjustments that I give. Right. Those are the easiest, uh, most effective, most lasting treatments that I give because they've already been hammered by this massage therapist, <laughs> yeah, you know? Right. And so they're already moving better when they right. come to see me. And then we can finish up fine-tuning all these motions that make them move really well. So yes, I share space with them in the future. I mean, currently it's literally just me. Uh, Maybe someday I'll need a front desk person to manage appointments (laughs) because I'm getting phone calls while I'm treating patients. (laughs) Paris. I'm going to have some experience. So who knows? Um, You'd want to grow though? Do you think you'd want to grow? Do you think you'd want to have other people working within your practice? Uh, Possibly. I mean, it really depends on where things go. I mean, even if you, if you would have told me two years ago that I'd be starting my own practice, I would have said no way. Yeah. Right. And things just kind of, and so you happened. you went to Fisher for your undergraduate. I went to St. John Fisher, where I currently work as an adjunct professor. So I ended up going back. So I worked there while I was there as in the laboratory. But um, so now I work there as an adjunct professor. I teach wow. physiology to the nursing students. That's awesome. Which is great. Good for you. Um, and I love being a part of that community. Yeah. Being a part of the Fisher community is awesome. Huge in Rochester. I went there. I the, my current coworkers are the professors who taught me these things that I'm using every day. Wow, Which is really awesome. cool. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, professors just at Geneseo talk about, like, you know, maybe going away from education, formal education, working in, like, a research laboratory or something like that that's outside of academia, and then coming back and really finding, like, um, you know, a, a home in, in a university because it's just this breadth of knowledge and, and community. Yeah. Uh, One, I can imagine you feel the same way. Definitely. The community's there. Like, we... The biology department goes to lunch on Fridays, you know, yeah. which, which is great, which right. is awesome. And I love being a part of that. But also everyone that's there is there for a reason. And it's all different. A lot right. of people have gone and done research. A lot of people are at Fisher to do research because if you're a tenure professor, you're doing research. Um, and then 
awesome thing that happens is you have this person who's doing research on worms and this person who's doing research oh. on growing like muscle cells and wow. you have this person who's an ecologist and this person who uh, loves mushrooms yeah <laughs> you know like these are awesome things that we have at, in one department in the biology department right which is cool and I mean, just, I can imagine that that happens in any department, but... When I was uh, hiking at the Indian Nature Preserve that we talked about on the beginning of the show, uh, the first time I was there, uh, there was a group of students, and I didn't know what they were doing, but I made it out of the woods before them, and I met their professor, who the doctor who was in charge of whatever the, it was they were doing, and naturally I went up to her, and I was very curious, and uh, they were studying the uh, growth of different species of trees, yeah. just in the woods. Yeah. And I mean, that's just one awesome. faction yeah. of the, you know... I think it's very cool. And that's something that's great about biology. I, you can do, you can go any direction. You can mm. go in any direction of science. You can even, if you want to go get an advanced chemistry degree, honestly, you probably could do it with a biology degree. Yeah. You could go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I just spoke at a speaker panel at St. John Fisher to the biology students, and it was just a ton of different biology students who were either unsure of what they wanted to do or they knew that somebody was coming that they wanted to interact with. And we talked about what they can do basically as, as my, in my field or in fields that I'm familiar with, we had people that want to be PAs, people that want to be PTs, people that wanted to go work in a research department somewhere. Right. And there were nurses there, there was everything there, and we just got to talk about why we love our professions and how we ended up here, right. which was really valuable to these students. And their, their interests are so far and wide. It was great. Well, I was going to say that. I feel like you're among the few people nowadays that does something that you genuinely love, you genuinely enjoy to do every day. And it sounds like you even might have a future in like consulting on some level or teaching or you, it sounds like you enjoy giving speeches and I don't stuff know. like I that. Really, I, I like mean, I like speaking. I like talks. I like TED, being. I mean, honestly, because you're good at it and you enjoy it and you're yeah. passionate about it. Does One, Fisher do like TED Talks? Like Geneseo, Geneseo does like uh, do they really? small subsections of um, TED Talks. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know no, that. No, I have not. I don't think so at this point. I'm not that Could I've cool. heard of. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Something to start maybe. But I mean, something to keep in mind when you're dealing with a private practice is you have to interact with patients, especially right. if it's just me. I'm doing everything from the initial phone call for a new patient to discharging them, to, yeah. <laughs> to sending uh, letters, uh, of, of sending reports to other doctors. Right. Dude, to I thought going a podcast. To and talking about, <laughs> I thought yeah, a podcast was a podcast. lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, we can't forget talking to patients every day. Right. Which yeah. is a huge part of my treatment. The, the interaction with the patient is obviously so important. And people kind of forget. Like, that's one of the things we talked about at that panel. What do you want your day-to-day -to, -day to be like? Right. Do you want to sit in a lab and not talk to anyone? A lot of people want to do that. Great. You're advancing science forward in general. Uh, that wasn't for me. Right. I, mean, we I thought about it, obviously, when I was a biology major. I wanted to interact with people and make people feel better. That's literally my job. Yeah. Which is great. Well, I'd say well, you're great at that job. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> yeah, you're I, the man. I, I would imagine you have a really good response from your patients. Uh, if I anyone's listening who, who's, who's saying to themselves, you know what, my back might be a little whack. Yeah, dude, uh, absolutely. Where, where can they find you? You're online. You're so on I'm on Facebook, Genesee Chiropractic. GeneseeChiropractic.com is me. Is you. You'll see my face on there. Um, Google me yeah. in general. I mean, yeah. you can go Bradley Delano DC or you can go Genesee Chiropractic. Twitter, Instagram. Neither <laughs> of those at Check this, this back out. Neither of those Check at this, this point. Back out. Um, but maybe in the future. Uh, All right. But for the most part, find me on online. GeneseeChiropractic.com is the website. Dr. Brad Delano, thank you so much for coming in. Ladies and gentlemen, check him out. This is awesome, dude. Thank you so it's much. Glad to be here. Later. Later. Wonderful.